Welcome to the Get Healthier Podcast with Rena Jadhav, who's on a quest to uncover breakthroughs and cures in living longer, healthier, and happier. Genetic testing, stem cells, rattling, talking to Silicon Valley geniuses and the best doctors in the world about the hottest products and programs to make you live an amazingly joyful life. Are you ready? Now, here's your host, Rena. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode where we are only talking about how we can live longer, healthier, and happier. And you know, sometimes you sit back and you go, whoa, there is just overwhelming amount of information on how we can live longer, how we can live healthier, how we can live happier, and it just gets too much. And so sometimes you're just looking for that one or two simple things, like tell me what causes disease, tell me what my root causes, tell me where I can begin. And I came across a fascinating doctor, Dr. Zach, who has been amazing in his research in identifying what that one thing might be. And so instead of doing a thousand things, we can focus on that one thing. I am super excited to have as our guest today, Dr. Zach, who is one of the few triple board certified physicians in the country with expertise in internal medicine, endocrinology and metabolism and hospice palliative care. So he gets to look at the same problem in multiple ways, including in seniors. So we can talk a little bit about what ages us and what can we do as we get older to actually feel young. The breakthrough science that Dr. Zach and his colleagues have delivered offers profound new insights into human health and longevity. In fact, in 2012, he, dis- he discovered a family of carbon-based redox molecules made by bacteria And his team has subsequently demonstrated that this cellular communication network is the antidote to a lot of our problems. And we're going to hear all about it. Dr. Zach, welcome. Thank you so much for having me on, Rena. A real pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you. You know, as I read about you and I watched a lot of your videos, something really struck me. You point to your kids as being the driving force behind your passion for change. Tell us a little bit about your journey and how your kids have inspired you to do what you're doing today. Yeah, it's a very accurate statement. And I think that, you know, the, the longer I do science, the more inspired I am by these younger generations. And the inspiration is really one of trying to pass on a legacy of potential. Uh, as a parent, I think many of you have experienced, or even as an aunt or an uncle or a teacher, whatever your influence and interaction with children and younger generations We don't expect ourselves to be able to pass on the amount of information that we would want our children to know. We want them to know more than we know. We want them to be healthier than we are going to be. We want them to have a more potential, not less potential than us. We're not looking to make them equal to us, but greater than us. And if we look at the current environment that our children are being born into, we can immediately have a terrifying conclusion that our kids are being put on the playing field of life with some huge disadvantages that did not exist when we were children. And so this current generation born after 1990, uh, these two generations that are, are cooking now are just hitting the ground with so many obstacles towards this human health, longevity, optimal, optimal performance, and not just exercise performance, but really cognitive performance. And in fact, like spiritual performance on the level of what is consciousness and mm. having a sense of self-identity these very, you know, inherent qualities of what is it to be human are being torn away from these kids often at a terribly young age. And so, you know, that's the motivation for me is we've done something to our environment to set into motion the sickest generations of children we've ever seen. And we have to, as a society, drill down as fast as possible, figure out what is that root cause of disruption that we've put into motion that has so rapidly caused such a collapse of human health, uh, such that it, for the first time in American history, we're seeing an impact our prediction of longevity. So you know, many of you are probably aware that around 2005, the Centers for Disease Control came out with an extraordinary statement that for the first time in American history, we expected our children born after the year 2000 to live shorter than their That's parents. right. That's right. What a disheartening thought for any parent today that my Very children will, will live, you know, a shorter life than, than I will. And what have you found? You, first of all, you're absolutely right. Um, as I look around and this is a common conversation we, we have at get togethers is why do our children have so many allergies? Like we didn't have any allergies. Why 
are our kids so sick, whether it's allergies or autism or psoriasis or eczema or ADD. I mean, you name it, it's rampant and cancer. Uh, there's cancer. There are teens dying of cancer. Gut problems in teens is rampant. What That's is exactly it? Right. What and is it, Dr. Zach? So, What's, what have we well, done? I'd love to put some numbers on that just to frame exactly what you're saying. Cause I think all of us have this sense of, isn't this much worse than it was just 10 years ago? Or isn't this much worse than it was when we were kids? And the reality is I, I would love to put some public health Please statistics do. around that is mm -hmm. that the, the reality is in 1950s and 60s, the whole population of the United States, uh, geriatric down to pediatric, had a chronic disease burden of about 4%. So at any given moment, 1955, 1963, at those times, we could say about 4% of the population was carrying a diagnosis that was a chronic disease. Fast forward to today, and let's just zoom now, not into the whole population, which obviously is super sick, but let's zoom down just to our children. How sick are our children compared to the adult population in the 1960s? 46% of children today carry a diagnosis of a chronic disease. Oh, my God. So nearly half of our children's population compared to 4% of the entire population in the 1960s. I wanted to point that out because this is we need to have a sense of desperation. We need to have a sense of urgency on this issue that just is failing to get through in the general media and certainly isn't reaching our politicians and our legislators and our regulatory bodies like the EPA and USDA. It's just not getting through. And so uh, the good news is, you know, despite all that, is you guys listening, you consumers, us consumers as a group, we are the ones that predict the future. We vote more powerfully with our decisions in the day. The little decisions we do to reach for longevity and performance and optimal health in our families, that's what changes the whole industry. That's what changes the farming industry, the regulatory industry, everybody. And so this podcast is so exciting because it's literally equipping you with new information over the next 45 minutes of exactly what you need to do to become a part of a green revolution that has never seen before. We need an absolute revolution that's going to reverse this epidemic of chronic disease, and we've got to do it together and in great communication. And so thank you, Rena, for what you do. This is a critical new methodology for reaching this grassroots population. And thank you for sharing those numbers. I personally did not know that the statistics on children was that high. You're right. It's a point of desperation. We're literally at that tipping point where, where do we go from 46%, 75%? I mean, do we yeah. end up with children that are just sick all the time? And what does that do to the future of America when your children are sick? That's exactly right. And we do not have to look very far in the future. Let's just pick one condition in our children. Let's pick autism. Autism in 1975 was one in 5,000 children. Today, we are at one in 40 children with autism. One in 5,000 and one in 40 in my short lifetime. And so just a devastating statement on where we're going is that just since 2012 to 2015, that little three-year jump, we went from 188 to one in 44. We doubled our rates of autism in just three years. So this curve that's been rising since 1975 is accelerating at an exponential near vertical rate. At the current trajectory in, in population statistics, it looks like we will hit a rate of autism of one in three children by 2036. And so that is a statistic that wow. just blows the mind because like you said now what could we possibly expect of that generation that are born in 2036 where one in three will be autistic how what is the chance that 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 generation is not only going to be able to self-sustain itself but is also going to be able to support the sickest geriatric and largest geriatric population in human history that's right we're, we're definitely heading towards a cliff and, yeah. a, and a point of no return so so let's start now. You know, let's start today. Yeah. What can we do? So but, but first of all, before what we can do, what has caused this insane rise of chronic illness? Why do we see children being born with issues? And I'll share my my own personal story in, in, in just a couple of sentences. I mean, normal, healthy, Asian, skinny woman, you know, someone looking at, on the road would have never guessed that I had colon cancer at 35. And then an incredibly serious illness at 45, from which pretty much no conventional medicine had a, a solution for me other than prednisone and antidepressants, neither of which were the right answer. 
But what do you believe is the is causing this huge epidemic? Well, I think that, you know, your story is a perfect example of what we're seeing uh, across the population is even those among us that are trying to do everything healthy. We, we're staying a lean body mass. We're exercising. We're trying to eat healthy. We're really going for optimal performance. You were extremely high functioning. You started multiple companies, have Harvard trained education, you know. All of the you, nobody could have looked at you and said anything, but there's a human being really functioning in her top one percent of the population. And yet, boom, not, at 35, what should have been a disease that we used to see in our 70s and 80s is hitting you. And then within 10 years of that, a second life threatening condition, all of which was zeroing down to your gut. And so I, mm -hmm. I think we could map back your events of at age 35 with this early ca cancer that was caught. That moment was really set into motion decade or two before that, likely around age five to 15, somewhere in there. Mm -hmm. You were likely had an environmental shift where you, you changed to a different food chain. And I actually don't know your history well enough to know like when you moved into uh, U.S. agricultural settings. So w when would you have gotten 18 at, at the age of 18? Mm -hmm. So I missed it by three years. But, mm -hmm. you know, at, at age 18, you were suddenly exposed for the first time in your life. And in some ways, to the first time in human history, you as a human were exposed to a totally different environment in the gut. And so that's what we've been really zeroing in, down to on uh, a science level is what is gut health and why is it collapsing? And why is it collapsing? What are yeah. we doing wrong? So uh, the context of how we made these discoveries, uh, all major scientific paradigm shifts that happen are always by accident because nobody's actually smart enough, I don't think, out there <laughs> so to true. suddenly come up with a completely different paradigm or a different way of looking at everything. And so we accidentally found this molecule family in soil back in 2012. But, but to set the stage. Share your that, story. Yeah, I loved hearing <laughs> that story on another channel. Please share that yeah. story. It's fascinating. It is fascinating and not, not because it's mine, but because it's so accidental. It's so it seems so serendipity in so many ways. But in fact, you know, I think all of us, as we age, we start to realize there is no such thing as a mistake. There's no That's such right. thing as coincidence. There's always just great purpose of the universe. And this was a moment there. And so um, my history is, as mentioned in the intro, three subspecialties in medicine, which just meant I had a high tolerance for taking tests and <laughs> memorizing stuff. And so I spent 17 years in academia just kind of really pushing my knowledge base forward and broadening my experience clinically as well as in my research. My research originally was in neuroscience and the influence of hormones on the brain, plasticity, how the brain changes its influence and the setup for mood disorders, depression, etc. And then that morphed into through my endocrinology research and metabolism. The word metabolism is really around the science of mitochondria mm -hmm. and how these little non-human cells that live inside of our cells, how they dictate human life and the cancer and non-cancer state. And so that was my research. And as I was drilling down on that, I suddenly one day realized in clinic uh, that the ulcer that I was debriding in this diabetic patient's ankle had all of the characteristics of the cancer cells that I had just been looking at under the microscope minutes earlier in my cancer lab. And so suddenly these two, what should have been different disease processes, diabetes and peripheral vascular disease leading to an ulcer that is now infected, that doesn't sound like anything like cancer. In fact, it suddenly came clear as the blinders came off of, oh, my gosh, all of these things we call disease are actually just a lack of health. Hmm. And they are all manifesting the same patterns of cellular behavior, just in different parts. And so while the cancer I was studying was kind of at the brainstem and the pituitary gland, the diabetic ulcer on the ankle was manifesting the same patterns of degeneration of tissue and collapse of cell-cell communication, loss of cell repair, all of these classic hallmark signs of both different diseases. And so it was an opportunity, and that was around 2008, 2009, to realize I've been taught for 17 years the wrong thing. I've been taught that there's thousands of disease with tens of thousands of different drugs to treat them, and that's medicine. Hmm. Suddenly, it was real, realized all disease is just a symptom of one thing. We need to start looking at disease not as something that jumps out of nowhere and attacks us. Disease is simply a symptom of a loss of intrinsic health at the tissue level, down at the basic level of human fabric. 
we are losing an intrinsic ability to heal and regenerate. And so that was a major transformation of my mindset of maybe everything's not complicated. Maybe everything is simple. And maybe if we started training our doctors to look through the lens of health and how do we create health, rather than looking through this massive lens of complicated study of disease and then teaching us a paradigm of chronic disease management, wouldn't we have a different result? And don't we need a different result because of these devastating numbers that we talked about at the beginning? And so this was the kind of the thought process that was at hand, or this was the backdrop to the events that then followed. I left academia in 2010, and it was largely because the NIH was collapsing in their funding. We Mm -hmm. were going through the recession of 2008, 2009, 10. Funding was drying up. U.S. dollars were going, uh, going to the toilet. And so my funding dried up. I had to leave that academic environment uh, with the concern that I would never be able to teach or do research again. But I knew that from my research of, in chemotherapy, that was all nutrition-based. I was learning how to make vitamin A compounds into chemo on that side. And I knew from the clinic that I could reverse type 2 diabetes through nutrition. Well, those two worlds kind of colliding, I suddenly realized maybe what I need to do is go start a nutrition clinic and really in my own body, as well as the bodies of my patients, start to understand and learn what is nutrition, what is gut health, how do we re-engineer this thing from the ground up? So that set the stage for this discovery in 2012 when I was at a busy clinic. And at this point, we had started to really hit some brick walls in the health and healing effort. In that first two years, I'm kind of a go big or go home kind of personality. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of went extreme on a plant-based diet where I was teaching my patients how to juice a ton of kale and Mm -hmm. parsley, cilantro. We were doing all these superfoods and berries and we were packing nutrition into these patients, obviously leaving behind the processed food and sugar and all this stuff and really getting this intense nutritional protocol. And knowing just a little bit about what your journey was with your second you know, collapse at age 45, I think the way you got yourself out of that was really strict attention to gut health That's and right. your nutrition and all these pieces. That's exactly what we were doing with the patients in our clinic. And about a third of them responded like you, that within two years, three years, you had this huge turnaround of health where you went from near collapse, chronic fatigue, chronic pain, and, you know, all of the symptoms that are so typical in America now. You can take somebody from that stage to thriving in just a couple of short years, which is Mm -hmm. wonderful. But we had another 30 or 40 percent of the population that was getting worse, not better on the same food. Hmm. And that was starting to lead down this avenue. What's wrong with the food? Is our food less packed with medicine than, than it has historically. We have this age-old information from Hippocrates in the Greek tradition, the father of modern medicine, and then 2,000 years before him in Chinese literature, you see the same thing written. 4,000 years ago in China and 2,000 years ago in Greece, they're saying, let thy food be thy medicine. That's right. So there's been this age-old adage that is so wise that the food contains literal medicine for us. And so we were starting to go down the avenue of asking intense kind of questions about what is the food we're feeding our patients? Is there a problem with it? Is it not functioning like the food that built all this nutritional science in the 1970s? And then going down that rabbit hole, we suddenly found ourselves in soil science. And for us, this was a huge shift in our paradigm because how long has it gone back in history that we've been looking to plants as medicinals? We're looking to the herbals, Bach flowers. You know, we're looking to the plant world for our medicinals. But how few times have we said, let's look past the plant into the soil at which it's growing and understand the science of health and and longevity down there. And so that push was very, very exciting. And it was very quick that one of my colleagues was able to come back with this 90 page white paper on soil science. And I was running late for, for a few patients in clinic and we were standing there in the doorway and I was flipping through this white paper. And sitting on page 40 of this thing is this huge carbon molecule that suddenly looked for all the world like what I had used to be researching at the University of Virginia. And in that moment, we realized with goosebumps, oh, my gosh, not only did the soil have the secret, this secret is so much more powerful than anything we could have imagined in the plant life or in the human cell environment of the mitochondria that I had been studying. And so the deeper we bore down into nature, the more intense the truth got. And that 
that is such a great paradigm for our general understanding is if you really want to know truth, you got to bore down to the root cause of it. And in this situation, we're literally down in the roots. We're down in the soil from which the roots pull nutrient that we mm -hmm. found these molecules. And so that was the journey. And even in that moment where I suddenly realized that I was probably witnessing the most important event in my professional career, at that moment, I also had a sense of I, I have no way of understanding how big this potential could be as we really start to wrap our minds around this. And as it's borne out over the last five years, I, I had no imagination of where this was going to take us. And so that is the journey that we can share now, you know, over the next few minutes of what is it in the soil that dictates health and how is it that we've lost that? What a powerful experience you've been through. And you know, I do believe you, you're right. There isn't, there isn't anything called serendipity or coincidences. There is, there is some energy out there that, that brings the right things forth when the timing is right. And clearly you were the channel for that, but you have to be open-minded. I feel like so many of my experiences with the conventional doctors have been with doctors that were trained a certain way and have remained closed minded to any new information or any new research. And they believe that what they were taught is basically it. And so kudos to you for being open-minded and for asking those questions and for really saying, it's not working. You know, we're using meds as symptom treatment. We're not really getting to the root cause and then continuing your journey to, to figure that out. So thank you because it's, it really is pioneers and innovators like yourself that can truly help pull us out of this significant, severe health crisis that we're in. Let's get to the fun part. So what is this molecule and what does it do? And by the way, I also do want you to define at some point, what is health? Because you're right. When I got better, that was the epiphany I had, that everything was sick. Sort of my gut was sick, but my there was toxicity. I had headaches. I mean, I had 23 symptoms. Yeah. So you get down to it and you go, I'm just sick. I'm just overall sick. And so I have to get overall healthy. It's not organ by organ health. It's overall health. And honestly, it just tipped. It's sort of nine months of something. And then suddenly one morning, just everything went down by 30%. And another month later, all the symptoms went down by another 30%. And it was sort of, it was this wave of tipping. And that's what I realized, like, wow, health doesn't come one organ at a time. It sort of comes in this wave that lifts the whole body, mind, and soul above the that gutter of ill health and toxicity that you might have been suffering in. So wow. talk about sort of what is health, the way you're defining it, and then what is this molecule, this magical molecule that you found? That was a totally inspired moment from you right there. You are so spot on in, in understanding what happened in your own body. That wave that you're describing is literally health returning. And like you say, that that never just touches the liver. It never just touches a kidney. A wave of health will affect every one of your 70 trillion cells. And the fascinating reality is what was setting that wave in motion was non-human. That what was setting that in motion was actually the microbial life, the bacteria and the fungi and all this incredible diversity of tiny single cellular life that was in your body that you were reprogramming by changing your environment. And that's the molecular family we found. The beautiful molecules that we found down in the soil had nothing to do with humans. It had everything to do with the way in which bacteria were, A, producing fuel, but in their production of fuel, the way in which they were communicating to one another. And so I, to boil this down to an understanding of kind of a lot of complicated science to something that's maybe palatable is that the mitochondria, which are a lot like bacteria, they, they're non-human, they have their own DNA that looks more like a, a viral DNA strand, it's a ring genome, and that circular DNA strand that they have uh, is capable of you know, reproducing the mitochondria within your cells. The average human cell has around age two to three years old, we have about 200 mitochondria per human cell, and uh, in some of our cell populations that are very energy demanding, like our brain, those neurons have somewhere around 3,000 mitochondria living in each cell. And so we have life teeming within our cells of these non-human little organisms that are proliferating and dying and turning over life inside of our cells. And that we are 100% reliant on those guys to dictate human health. And so you asked for a definition of health, and it turns out that health at the human level is 
fully reliant, completely dependent upon non-human life within it and without it. And so within it is the mitochondria and without or with outside of which you actually have the bacteria and the fungi and the viruses and all this complicated life living outside of it. And it's those two massive populations uh, that are really creating human health. Mm. And what I mean by that is that they are creating not only the nutrients and the fuel that you'll run on, they're creating the communication network by which your cells are going to know there's a problem, know that healing needs to happen, call in the repair systems, call in stem cells to replace tissue. Whatever is needed is coordinated entirely by these non-human populations. And so it's a very beautiful thing. So my definition of health has changed radically over the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. But how I would define it today is a healthy body, a healthy human is one that is in full on participation with a diverse ecology of nature around it, inside of it and within it. Beautiful. It's a reminder that we are earth, we are air, we are fire, we are water. It's what a lot of the ancient souls have preached, that we are nature. And if we move away from nature or if we break those rules of nature where we're meant to be in this perfect symbiotic relationship with what's around us, but if we break that, then we create poor health. And that's what you found. Wow. Very, very profound and and completely a different definition, right, than what we're taught in the textbooks. Yeah. In the textbooks, you know, good health is low blood pressure, exactly. low cholesterol, exactly. you know, all these stupid, you know, completely irrelevant issues to human health. And you speak very well to the spiritual kind of experience of being human and how that's so integrated, the consciousness of who am I and why am I here, those age-old questions of philosophy, those are built into our very fabric. And so to give you an idea from here as to kind of what the meaning of these molecules from bacteria are for your health, it comes down to this issue of self-identity immediately, which is fascinating. But uh, to identify yourself as, you know, waking up in the morning and knowing your name and knowing who you are and having some sense of the relationship you have to the world. I am Zach. I wake up in the morning. I've never woken up thinking I'm Rena. I've never had that, you Mm -hmm. know, sudden schism of understanding who I am. Right. But that's a very basic sense of who I am. That's my name. I was born at such and such a date at such a location. Those are just basic little facts that I hold on to. But then there's the much deeper spiritual question of who am I and why am I here? And those, it turns out, I think are very inherently requiring us to be able to sense what's outside of our body and what's inside our body. Or in other words, where are our boundaries? And that needs to be defined at the biophysics level, at the biology, cellular biology level of where do I begin? And in that space that I hold, that is me, what do I, what is my purpose and what am I going to do with that? And so it turns out that this burden of disorder and disease that we have mentioned to start things off, autism was a good example, but we could point to major depression, which has gone from one in a hundred to one in one in two, one in three. Mm -hmm. So we have this massive increase in prevalence of major depression. And major depression is a great example that most of us have had at least weeks or months of of mood shift where it's very hard to motivate. It's very hard to see any hope at the end of the tunnel or we've all experienced moments of these uh, depressive episodes. And in those moments, your main experience has to do something with what's the point of being here? What, why yes. am I here? I'm not contributing anything. What? It's just chaos out here anyways. All I do is I wake up and I go to work and I can't find any meaning in that. And I come home and I'm I've got no money in my bank account. I'm trying to push this and I'm trying to do that. And I'm always behind the eight ball. That sense of why am I here? We can map back to some simple changes at the biology. Really? It it turns out that the boundary that helps you understand who you are and held space for your energy to be coherent and vibrate at a certain frequency that is you, that requires these membranes or these protective sheaths around our body to be very intact And to very clearly delineate or define, here's the outside world, here's where I begin, and inside world is mine. That's what the space I hold. That membrane uh, is uh, composed of a number of one. To the outside world, you have two. It's your skin, 
and your what we call endothelial lining. Mm-hmm. The endothelial cells start, you know, in your eyelids, you know, protecting your eye environment, all this, all the way from the inside your nasal cavity, sinuses, down your throat, your lungs, all the way down your gut lining, uh, all the way down to the rectum. That whole internal system of tubes where we're interacting with the air we breathe, with the water we eat, the outside world through these tubes, those are lined with this this cell type that we call and I'm sorry epithelium and those mm-hmm. epithelial layers are composed of trillions of cells and so you have trillions of these tiny microscopic cells that all form a cohesive membrane or protective barrier between the outside world and your immune system and that system is tied together all those tiny little cells hooked to the next cell with something that looks a lot like velcro it, it on one level looks like kind of a spot weld where one cell is attached to the other through a weld, but it's, mm. it functions more like Velcro in that they can open up and close. They can open up and close. And so just like you can open and close Velcro over and over again, these tight junctions, they're called, these proteins open up and zipper back together, open up and zipper back together. And their purpose is to be this intelligent gatekeeper system where you keep the outside out, but you recognize what needs to come in. And if something large, like a big soluble fiber or huge protein or large carbohydrate needs to enter the system, they unzipper, allow that single molecule through, and they zipper right up behind it and bring that into the body as an intelligent gatekeeper to bring in the nutrients but keep out the toxins. That system is the inherent cell biology definition of your boundaries, and it's that ground zero of your self-identity at the cell biology level that's being destroyed through our lack of concern and our lack of respect for the ecosystem, the microbial life, the bacteria, the fungi, our soil that are made by those creatures, and then those same creatures in our gut, in our sinuses, on our skin, under our eyelids, that huge organic garden that should be thriving on our skin and in our guts is mimicking and is really mirroring the health and biodiversity that we see in our soils. And so by the 1960s, we were starting to devastate our our soil health through chemical farming. Mm -hmm. That's obviously accelerated very quickly over the last 30 years. And so we've seen this huge advent of loss of just this age-old technique of farming, which was soil management, crop rotation, composting, all of that through all human history. And then suddenly in the 1950s and 60s, we went to chemical petroleum-based fertilizers bypassing the need to take care of soil through any organic fashion and it started to grow green plants Mm -hmm. but it was growing green plants that were lacking nutrients because we weren't taking care of the soil so the plants became weak and in a weakened state the plants then of course attract pests insects and weeds and so we get this huge burst of unwanted life around these sick crops and so of course the chemical company that was giving us the fertilizer can now sell us herbicides pesticides and a bunch of other chemicals to treat those pests. We have created a crisis within us because of the crisis outside of us. Precisely. And how do we go from here to there? Meaning, for someone who's listening to this podcast going, you've convinced me, I get it. What is the solution? What What can they start doing starting today? Not just in terms of the change in the diet, et cetera. But what can we do as a community, as humanity, in terms of the 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 crisis we have in our soil? What do you recommend? Perfect. So, you know, the changes that we just discussed around the farming industry and these chemical, the advent of chemical farming, and then ultimately that, of course, leading to the big change in 1996 when we went to genetically modified crops where we could actually spray the food with these herbicides, namely Roundup. Mm-hmm. And as we went to those genetically modified crops, we we totally decimated soil. It turns out that Roundup functions as an antibiotic. It kills bacteria, it kills fungi, it kills the life within the soil. And in doing so, it also steals all the nutrients from the plant that's trying to grow in it, and it leaves either a sickened plant or a weakened plant, or if you spray a weed directly, it kills it immediately. If you spray a tomato plant or any other thing growing in your garden with Roundup, it's going to die very quickly. And so it's directly toxic to the plant and to the bacterial life in the soil. And so that chemical has now become, because of the advent of GMO and our ability to spray whole crops with this, 
we're now spraying 2 billion kilograms of this single toxin into the earth. Wow. And so that has become the most prevalent toxin on the human, uh, in the human uh, endeavor of technology. And so that single chemical, if you want to do one thing as a consumer, is focus in on your ability to stop this practice of killing our soil and plants with this chemical roundup. And unfortunately, it's not Roundup uh, alone anymore. The active ingredient Roundup is called glyphosate. And then Roundup went off patent in 2007. And so now every large uh, chemical company in the U.S. and actually most of it being made in China now, this chemical glyphosate has become super uber prevalent. Two billion kilograms a year dumped into our soils and plants. And that's largely because as consumers, we have outsourced the production of our food. That's right. We, we have absolutely participated in the creation of factory massive scale farming by a- asking for convenience instead of health. And so that pursuit of convenience has outsourced this food industry. So few of us are growing food in our backyards anymore. Mm-hmm. And so in 1945, for example, at the end of the war, uh, we were growing about 45 percent of our food chain in the in backyard victory gardens. Fast forward to today, we're growing less than one thousandth of a percent of our food chain in our backyard. So we have just absolutely given up any control or contribution to food production. So if you really want to get reengaged and you want to be part of this revolution that's going to pull us back from this brink of human health and its collapse, you're going to participate in a new type of revolution where you're just getting engaged with Mother Nature again. You and I need to plug back into Mother Earth, Hmm. find ways for us to pattern our day. Change your work environment, change the ways in which you're thinking, change your 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 workouts to get you back out in nature more often. Energize with the sun, commune with the soil, work in your garden, do some weeding. Instead of spraying chemicals all over the place, reach down, get some exercise and breathe the soil. When you pull a weed, you get this huge burst of dust in the air around you that's full of complex bacteria and fungi mm-hmm. and wonderful life that's waiting to help repopulate your body. And so it doesn't take much to step outside your door and re-engage nature. Ferment your food again. We've been fermenting food since the beginning of human history, and yet here we are with the advent of refrigeration in the 1950s, and at the same time we outsourced our food, we stopped fermenting in the home, Mm -hmm. and we started making refrigerator pickles instead of fermented pickles. We took bacteria out of the equation, and we've gone to this sterile ecosystem of food production, and we are lacking that intelligence of the earth. We're lacking the intelligence of the bacteria, the microbiome, of the fungi, and beyond. So get back in touch with nature, ferment your food. What else can someone who's got, and because you've mentioned this molecule, what else can someone who's got gut issues do, and how can we get access to this molecule you mentioned? Yeah, so it turns out these the molecules that we found in 2012 are actually super diverse. And so we, we call them carbon snowflakes. They have a carbon backbone with all these different oxygen, hydrogen binding groups on them. And each bacteria and fungal population seems to be able to make its own subset of these carbon snowflakes. Each bacterial species or fungal species making a slightly different variant of language or words within this vocabulary of cell-cell communication. And so one of the challenges we have is even if you're going to go re-engage nature, obviously that is step one. Mm-hmm. Revolutionize the food industry. Start growing a tomato, if nothing else. Get a basil growing in your window at home if you don't have a garden. Grow a plant, step one. Step two we knew we were going to have to go back in time further because it is very hard to find healthy topsoil on the planet right now. Mm-hmm. You're lucky to find 12 inches of kind of nice, organic, naturally growing topsoil. And so what we did was go back in the fossil record. And so one of the powerful things that you can do now as a consumer is you can help augment what you're doing out in nature with this age-old historic record of how diverse life was before humans messed with it, before we introduced ourselves, let alone our chemicals, to that soil, what did it look like there as far as some intelligence? And what we've done as a science group is we're extracting uh, from the deserts of the United States, and now we're working on other continents, we're extracting this bacterial information, these millions of different variants of these carbon snowflakes into a liquid form so that we can get them back into their natural communication state. It's called a redox state where there's positive and negative charge uh, correspondence happening in these molecules. And so we've got that now. We rolled it out in 2014 to the autistic 
uh, community through Autism One, and now I've been working through uh, many different areas of health through consumer shows and physician training and everything else. And so your doctor uh, may have heard of this product now. We've, we're in over 2,000 clinics worldwide. It's kind of a, a leading dietary supplement for the foundation of health. And then uh, we've got many, many natural food chains that are carrying this, uh, even GNC is carrying it and, and their corporate stores. And so you can find this product now around and you can find it online. Our website is Restore the number four life.com. Uh, you can also find us on Amazon, uh, but the restore dietary supplement is uh, really an exciting thing. And the, the, our excitement around it has to do with this reconnection information. We've now proved out that many, many things happen when you start to introduce this age old ancient information stream into human biology. It's literally rewritten the book on so many cellular processes that we've studied now. But the four major pieces that it does is it immediately moves in to the gut lining. And we have a sinus spray that you can spray into your nose and sinuses. And then you have an oral liquid that you can swallow. And in both of those cases, the first place it hits is the bacteria themselves. And what it causes is a huge expansion and increase in the ecosystem and then diversification. So much different than a probiotic that's just adding the same species over and over again to your gut. Hmm. This thing, when it moves in, it's coordinating a massive paradigm shift in which bacteria are thriving in your gut and helping diversify. When we lack diversity, we get overgrowth. Mm -hmm. Very much like planting a garden. When you go out and you rototill a bunch of soil empty, unfortunately, it's not your tomatoes and your squash and everything else that pop out of the ground. It's weeds. And so when you clear cut a space of the gut with an antibiotic exposure, whether that antibiotic is from your doctor or your antibiotic might be from your farmer who just sprayed your food. That's right. The antibiotic glyphosate. Mm -hmm. Or your meat. Mm -hmm. Or your meat. The cow that you just ate was raised on that antibiotic of glyphosate or Roundup in its feed chain, and it's consolidated that toxin in its body, and now you're consuming it secondhand. So we're getting antibiotic from so many sources now. And when you're not even knowing it, you're denuding or you're stripping the ecosystem out of your body, and now the weeds are going to crop up. We we call this condition the small bowel overgrowth, where you'll suddenly get these weeds. Suddenly That's what I had. That's right. And that was one of the things I had. had. That's right. And so, you know, you've got the perfect American experience. That's and right. So that, that experience of tear down the ecosystem and then get the weed growth back in, and suddenly you have total dysfunction of the gut. As soon as we put this communication network back into play of these ancient ecosystem with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of species communicating together, when you put that back into action, it's like immediately going to realize, oh, my gosh, we only have five dominant species. We need 20,000 species at least as a healthy human gut. And so it's going to start calling in these trace species from around the environment. And so every time you go out and breathe, you're going to enter some of these bacteria are going to enter from the air around you. And if you've got this compost and communication network of restore, it's going to grab those minor species and help you put back together a diverse and balanced ecosystem very quickly. So we've got a two-week trial that's about to be published, and just in two short weeks, we're sh showing quadrillions of bacteria realigning around a healthy uh, bacterial biome, which is amazing because this is a sterile product. There are no bacteria in it. It is not a probiotic that's trying to micromanage your environment. It's simply the communication network of the biome, and as soon as the, the cellular communication happens, all the cell phones start working, everybody's talking, and they got this, this real community starting to commune and be in, in league with one another. And that shift happens within two days. We're starting to see shift, and then at two weeks, we've got all kinds of health breaking loose. So wow. step one is change the biome. The next one is right at that barrier system that you and I were talking about. That barrier system of the gut lining is immediately bolstered and supported by this communication network of these carbon molecules. And what we have shown is that the body starts immediately making more tight junctions. More Velcro is getting filled in to keep the gaps tight to help protect. And then when the gut gets hit with Roundup, if it's denuded and lacking bacteria, lacking the communication network, the, the Roundup actually acts as a direct toxin to those tight junction Velcro to induce leaky gut, mm -hmm. to induce this huge dumping of material from the outside world inside, and you immediately lose that cell uh, barrier system of self-identity, that then can lead downstream to things like autoimmune dysfunction and all mm -hmm. kinds of things as your body's immune system starts to get confused on what is self, what's outside. You're losing that self-identity. And so in the long run, we're showing 
that these carbon molecules, once put back into play, they're immediately bolstering up this protective barrier system that defines who you are and how you can differentiate yourself from the world around you. And that, so that's step two. So first the bacteria, then the tight junction systems. Step three is we've shown that it directly talks to the mitochondria inside your cells. So the bacteria, now you can picture sending all this cellular communication down into the mitochondria to say, here's what we see out here. There's adversity. There's injury happening. There's potential toxin everywhere. You need to bolster your system inside the cell to improve detoxification, to speed up cell turnover, call in stem cells. And that's exactly what we see when you put Restore into the system is immediately the immune system makes way more glutathione, like a thousand percent increase over a couple days. Mm. So this huge burst of glutathione. Glutathione is the, accounts for about 80% of your body's reservoir of antioxidant. And so you start making a massive amount of antioxidant. If you go to Whole Foods, almost any, everything on the shelf will say, hey, I'm an antioxidant. Well, all of those nutritional antioxidants that we have account for about 4% of your total body's antioxidant contribution. And so 96% of it is made internally, and the vast majority, 80% of that, is glutathione. And so it's fascinating to realize the bacteria and their communication network is dictating this huge human response, this human coping mechanism of, of intrinsic antioxidant. So that's step four, if you will. And then the last step that we've shown is that, the, again, the bacterial communication network is responsible for calling in stem cells. And this was actually done in humans, not Petri dishes, where mm. we take somebody who's never seen this carbon molecule family, take a urine sp sample, and we measure CD133, which gives us an idea of total body stem cell activation. And then you give uh, a, a dose of the or a, a 15 milliliter use of the restore and you're going to ultimately see in about two hours later in the second urine sample about a 20 to 30 percent increase in total body stem cells with one tablespoon of communication from the bacterial soil from 50 million years ago. This huge information stream comes in and calls in regeneration to your body. And so your live long and prosper show here. It mm -hmm. really comes down to every step of human health being dictated by the and controlled and really sped up by this ecosystem and its ability to induce or empower cell cell communication. And it's a completely radically different way than what we've ever done in the past. And it's, it's radically different. If you think about vitamin D or calcium or you know your multivitamin that you might be taking all of those are actually trying to like micromanage human health. Right. All of those are pushing one receptor pathway that's affecting your genome this way or that way. And so it's easy to overdose on something like that. It's easy to become deficient in something like that. That's but right. what we're doing here with Restore is we try not to do anything with Restore. We don't want the product to tell your body what to do at all. This is exactly like a wireless communication network where your cell phone works all the time. There's a computer in there that does reception and transmission of signals. It also has you know, complex methods for decoding these digital signals into what sounds like an audio sound and everything else. That works all the time. But if you're more than seven miles from the communication tower, you get no signal. Right. And that cell phone doesn't work as a communication tool. And it starts to degenerate. The, the software can't re reload, it can't update itself, it starts to fragment, it starts to age. And so you know the experience of going on a trip and then suddenly you get back and you turn your cell phone on and then suddenly everything's updating. That's right. You've got all your apps updating and everything's you know crowding up the system because everything was desperate to, to get back the right that stream of information. And that's what happens when you start Restore. You suddenly put back in no single pathway. You're not trying to do anything to the body. You're simply saying, here's all the information stream. What are you saying, human body? And suddenly the liver can hear the kidney, can hear the brain, can hear the bone. Everything starts talking again, and you get this huge coordinated effort and movement, this wave that you were describing earlier of human health as it moves through the system. It sounds like a brilliant idea. How? What kind of research results have you seen and how long does someone have to take Restore? By the way, I have to say I'm going to be the first one to get one tomorrow. <laughs> so um, is it – you mentioned it's at GNC. Is it at Whole Foods as well or any uh, other? Whole Foods is frozen right now because they're reaching right. from uh, Amazon and all that. So it's not at Whole Foods at the moment, but uh, it's at a lot of natural food stores around the country. We have over a 1,000 retailers okay. around the country that are carrying it. So you can check your natural food uh, stores near you. Um, certainly GNC is a very prevalent one around the area. 
Uh, some of their franchise stores are not uh, holding the product yet, but uh, we have over, oh, I think it's almost 2,000 GNCs now around the country that uh, carry the product. So the product is called Restore. It's in the digestive health um, area of your store, usually near the probiotic section. Um, and so you can ask your grocer or your GNC reps there to see if they can have it on the shelf. Uh, or you can go and order it on Amazon or Restore the number 4 lifecom if if you've got a lot of questions left, I mean, obviously, we're just scratching the surface of the information, but mm-hmm. you can go to our website, Restore for Life. There's a lot of our science articles. We've been publishing peer-reviewed journal science articles right. on, on a lot of the science. So there's some fascinating uh, discoveries we've made on, on the role of glyphosate or Roundup and how it's caused this whole epidemic of gluten sensitivity that we now have. And so that's an incredible science that's now evolving from our labs. Uh, really amazing to realize that we really didn't have something called gluten sensitivity and start, until we started adding this chemical fertilizer, or I'm sorry, chemical herbicide to our food chain. Um, so you can take a look at all that science. Uh, also, there's more science and lectures available, lots of podcasts available on ZachBushMD.com as well. So tons of science for you to dive into out there if you if we've just uh, whet your appetite here. That sounds great. You know I'm going to be out there reading it all. So one last question. For someone out there that's listening, excited to get started their their journey to health, what is the one thing you would recommend other than, of course, start Restore? Get outside. You have to get outside. If you don't start interacting with nature again on a thousand different levels, you're going to miss your opportunity to be a, at your prime. And it's so interesting how good Mother Nature is at being a mirror to us, letting us see ourselves for who we are. When you're out on a hike or you're out paddling a river or you're floating down uh, through a reservoir looking at the, the nature around you, whatever it is, get out there and experience Mother Nature. And you're going to see in great focus why you're here, why you are loved by that Mother of Nature, why you are loved by the universe and what you're here to do. I know you have great purpose here because you showed up right now. We are, as we spoke about at the beginning of the show, we are at the tipping point of human history right now. Either we're going to change everything and survive together, or we're going to continue down this unsustainable path of the collapse of human health, and we will be infertile in the next 20 to 30 years. We have to change everything, and it has to start with the way in it we're interacting with Mother Nature. You showed up at this moment to be part of this pivotal time in human history, which means you have great purpose. You have came in at this moment to participate in a complete reversal of human consciousness. And so I can't wait to see you rise with us and help educate me teach me what you know, teach me through your purpose and bring us to that higher level of consciousness so that we can escape this, this spiral that we're in. Wow. Very beautifully said. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And for the rest of you out there, you heard it. Get out in nature. Get out of those offices, those homes, those dark corners of bedrooms. Go into nature. Sleep outside. Go for a hike. Take a river cruise. Plant something. I love that. Plant something. Plant it with your kids. Teach them. Teach them that it's this earth that takes care of us. And we have to take care of it or we will not survive. You know what you need to do. Thank you so much again, Dr. Zach. You're amazing. We're going to do this together. Thank you, Rena. We will do it together. I really believe that we are going to survive. So let's do it. (laughs) That's a wrap. Share your love with a five-star review and get show notes at healthbootcamps.com. Connect with us on Health Bootcamps Facebook and Twitter. Also, don't forget to check out other great interviews and subscribe to the Get Healthier podcast today.